Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. The Fairweather Podcast is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Hi! Yo, what up? The gang is back together. Where's your soundboard, Alan? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, hold on, hold on. I can, I can. Nope, that's yeah. the wrong one. Oh, take, take two, take two. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Allen, Allen, uh, I was just watching the versus battle. I don't know if you guys were watching that on Instagram, but I totally oh, got hyped to up. The- it was DMX versus uh, Snoop Dogg. So I was totally mm. back in college, like house parties. It was awesome. Right? right. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Cheers to you guys. Here's my cucumber lime juice. I just juiced it, actually. Good for you, man. I know you've been doing a lot of healthy stuff. So how's that been going? Dude, so good. And this is actually really good. I'd actually probably put a piece of uh, um, honeydew melon up in here, too. Oh, jeez. Oh, mm-hmm. Fairweather podcast cookbook coming to you soon. That's right. That was the. the uh, didn't you notice that that was the uh, the Tory green color? That was the uh, nice, nice. Yeah. Is that yeah. gonna be in the boot? That's in the bougie section, I think. Oh you no, know. that's cucumber <laughs> lime. That's locals lime. Fair enough. Fair enough. Locals lime. Locals lime. Marissa, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I uh, had a busy day and I didn't get sleep last night because I had a triple espresso at 2 p.m. and that Ooh. made me stay awake too late so i got a nap in so i'm good fair fair doing okay uh my wife uh we filed our tax return our state tax return we got some some fundages back and so my mm-hmm. wife bought a switch so nice. she's been doing the animal crossing i've been playing techno bowl <laughs> so nice. i don't know like, like they have like a nintendo thing you can download so i was like <laughs> Rolling through some Tecmo Bowl today, so okay, okay, yeah, we're living, we're living my childhood a little bit. So it's Is been your uh, your refunds were like faster, like they're late because the COVID, but they're faster, right? Because I got oh, uh, we haven't COVID. gotten it yet. It's like she pre bought it, knowing that oh. the money would come in on the back end. That's fine. Like it's on layaway, but she bought it. She yeah, rarely, yeah. she rarely treats herself. So it was like one yeah. of those treat yourself moments, and so oh, nice. uh, you know. I play video games a lot on Xbox, but she's been hankering for the Animal Crossing for a while, so she got it. Um, yeah, good day. Uh, the Liverpool Chelsea match was like phenomenal. Yeah, thanks uh, for was, beating Chelsea. Uh, I guess you're welcome. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but regardless, like even as a neutral, I think that was a really fun. It was open, but really crisp. It, like Christian Christian Pulisic looked um, freaking amazing. So uh, tip your hat. Uh, Chicago's up, uh, newsflash, Chicago's up 2 nil, so I'm in a good mood about that, too, in the NWSL Cup, so things are going well. Uh, things are going well. I am checking the feed to make sure, because I heard it's not on Twitter again. Yeah, it should be there. Oh, well, it's there. Okay. I, mm-hmm. Technical, mm-hmm. not technical difficulties. But, yeah, I watched the match, like, Maybe in the, like the seventieth minute, once they like went to like four two, I was like, "Oh, this might be something," you know. Yeah, ch- check the highlights. Like there were like golosos yeah. all over the place. It was so fun to watch, but you know, we're not here to talk about the Premier League. Um, we're not here to talk about uh, 
you know, NWSL in depth, although I do love talking about them as well. Congratulations, LA, uh, for getting your team. Um, And uh, Go Dash, says Harry. I'm also a Dash fan because in this fantasy thing on orange and black, I have Houston and Chicago. So if they meet in the final, like, I might win. Um, But I digress. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to do another show talking about the NWSL coming to LA because uh, I don't know what that means for... San Diego potential team or mm-hmm. whatever, and but uh, at least at least there's a, a women's uh, NWSL team within like driving California. distance as opposed to yeah in California even, yeah. um, but tonight we have a very special guest to bring on. Uh, yeah. I consider him a friend and soccer mentor. Um, he's also um, brilliant, super involved in the city. Uh, and he's been, we'll, we'll ask him his his role in the Midway Planning District. Um, but uh, my friend and your friend, probably, uh, DK Niwo. How are you doing, man? DK. Uh, good well. evening. Hello. Greetings. I'm doing well. I consider you all friends and mentees, actually. All of you. <laughs> right on, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, I'm doing great. I was actually very also enthused about uh, Liverpool's performance today. Probably the first and only time you'll hear me ever say that. Uh, but thank you. It's being thank recorded, you. so we can we can bring it up sometime later. Context is key. Context <laughs> is key. We needed we needed that today. So you yeah, you, you you are welcome, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it was, I mean it. Thank it, you. It means for a very fun Sunday is is what that means. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'll be yeah. I'll be here just downstairs on the couch. So <laughs> fair. even my team has something to do and is relegate Watford. So. Yeah. Who's that? I don't remember. Troy. Troy. Oh, the team that beat you that didn't make you unbeatable. What is it like eighth place or whatever? I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, just thank no, you for third like place, 10. man. Just thank you for third place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a fun Sunday. Um, so we brought you on because there's been some news from the Midway District Planning Group. There's been some news from City Council. And we don't normally talk about politics and city politics, but because it involves a piece of San Diego, we thought, who better than you to come on? So what is your role in that midway planning area? Yeah. Um, so I've lived here for almost six years. I think you've both been in my house at, at one point or another. Um, but two years ago, I joined the board of what's called the Midway Pacific Highway Community Planning Group. And so essentially within the city of San Diego, obviously you've got all these different neighborhoods, North Park, South Park, you know, there's some of the ones that we all know more about, but actually there are 42 different community planning groups across the city of San Diego, that each represent their sort of individual areas. And so I joined the board of mine um, about two years ago, actually, yeah, it's probably, I think September of 18, so just under two years ago. And then somehow in the last year and a half, for whatever reason, uh, in March of this year, they made me vice chair of this community planning group. Uh, so that's cool. But essentially what the function of this group is, it's completely uh, voluntary, unpaid, labor of love. Uh, but they're they're written into the city charter and actually acknowledged as the city of San Diego sort of local uh, planning body. So you qualify for being on one of these groups by either being a resident in any given neighborhood, owning property or operating some kind of business in, in that region. And so uh, of our board of 12 of us, I think four of them, four of us actually are residents somewhere else in the neighborhood. And then we've got obviously a mix of business and property owners. Uh, we meet incidentally at Bay City Brewing on the third Wednesday of every month at 3 p.m. 
Uh, I made a phone call a while back after our previous space became unavailable. And I was very fortunate to have good friends at Bay City who said, yeah, you can come hang out here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, since COVID, we've all been doing the virtual thing. But my role uh, within this organization and what the roles, what the organization's role really is within the sort of function of government is to be the designated planning heiress. So when you talk planning, it's like, okay, what am I going to do here from a city standpoint with regards to zoning in particular and like land use decisions, right? Which I guess zoning derives from like a land use um, industry, I suppose. So we talk about, you know, housing, we talk about types of different uh, development, we talk about streets, lamps, infrastructure for walking, you know, alternate means of transportation. It's all very like non-soccer related stuff. And um, I don't talk about it too much with my soccer friends because it's honestly, it's a new world for me. I've been doing it for a few years now. And so at least I feel like I'm up to speed somewhat, but yeah, it's it's not it's not a background. It's not an area that I have like a background in uh, historically or even academically, just the last couple of years of, of just kind of jumping in with both feet as I tend mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. I think and- you're a good representative of that though, because uh, you know, being so well-versed in stadium talk over the last couple of years and yeah. all that, I think you can be a good go-between between the soccer community. So we're happy to have you here. And obviously I know it's taken a while for us to catch up, but I'm happy to see you here to give us some, insight um on the 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 planning and and whatever is going on with that um we did have a lot of questions alan i don't know if you had anything that you wanted to talk about specifically before we get to the questions no i think the, a lot of the people out in the community have some really great questions and if you're watching live you if you want to throw some questions in we can include them as they pop up um but i think there a lot of people had some really smart questions um and the first one was kind of where are we in the process like how did we kind of start where are we now and what's the next step like where did this where was the birth of this because i know that's like a huge piece like what decisions are being made right now and then what is the timeline for what happens next gotcha gotcha and so, yeah, I'll, I'll take a step back and, and say, so what's interesting about land use and, and, and so those of us who are familiar with Stadium Talk, you know, Soccer City version and all the previous iterations, um, it is really difficult uh, from just like a general rule of thumb, if nothing else, to, uh, and I think anyone who lives in San Diego knows this actually as well, it's like land is at a premium here. There's not a ton of real estate that is, you know, sort of widely available for uh, anything in particular. And and when you start looking at the kinds of large scale developments that we're talking about here in Midway and that we previously talked about in Mission Valley, uh, there's only a handful of areas where you can do certain things of the kind of size and scale and scope uh, of what needs to happen here in Midway. And so, uh, as I mentioned before, our community planning group, one of the big functions that each of these groups really uh, fulfills within the city is we overhaul community plans every 15 to 20 years or so. So incidentally, this the, the community plan for the Midway District was just sort of um, approved and confirmed in September of 2018. And that plan shifted a few different um, sort of zones from you know what was previously in heavy industrial and, and sort of like a weird commercial designation, primarily to housing. Uh, there is a sort of sports, obviously, arena that currently sits within the bounds of our neighborhood. Uh, that uh, parcel has remained the same. But the city of San Diego itself owns about 48 acres, actually more than 48, but 48 acres uh, that the city of San Diego owns 
up and down Sports Arena Boulevard, where the sort of, I think it's called the Pachanga Arena officially, but we all refer to it as the arena, the sports arena, where that property sits, the parking lot around it, and a few different parcels, uh, I guess, spreading down to the south along, um, along Sports Arena Boulevard. And so what was interesting is that those parcels were under long-term leases to a variety of different businesses, including the arena, um, that ultimately expired on May 31st of this year, 2020. And so going into that last six months or so of the leases, you know, all the different businesses, and here's kind of where there's conversations to be had about what's, you know, sort of right and wrong and what have you. But it was very, it was made very clear to the businesses who previously occupied those spaces, and who I guess technically as of this moment still do, that their leases would not be uh, renewed because what the city wanted to do was basically glob all of these 48 acres together and then offer up an opportunity for, like I said, a master plan, a big vision, something that's comprehensive and transformative, something that's actually called for in the Midway Community Plan that got updated in 2018. So like I said, these uh, leases were set to expire at the end of May. Uh, in January, I think it was actually February 7th, now that I think about it, on February 7th, the city released what they call an RFP, a request for proposals for that 48 acre site. Basically said, look, people out there, developers, those of you who operate in this you know, sort of land use field, tell us what you think you could do, right? What we want, we'll just tell you what we want. We want housing, we want parkland, we want an updated arena, either a brand new one or, or something that's been significantly and sufficiently overhauled. Um, but outside of those sort of like boxes to tick, you know, do your best, blow us away, show us what you got. Um, and so that kicked off a process that sort of began obviously before coronavirus and ended somewhere in the midst of it. Um, and what came out of that entire window is like a four month response window whereby people could submit ideas and plans. There were four plans that came forward. Two of them were sort of deemed pretty decent. Two of them were deemed as like insufficient. And so they were cut. And so at this phase, I think it was uh, about a week and a half ago on a Friday, um, the city opened up like this online portal where you could then go in and, and, and look at these things. And for, I think a lot of people, it was like, lo and behold, surprise, surprise, uh, one of the concepts for uh, the redevelopment of this 48 acre site that includes the arena and its massive parking lot included a modular stadium for our own San Diego Loyal. So that was cool. Um, that's something that I obviously knew about a little bit before last week, but um, that's, I think, how we got to be where we are. Uh, the next question was, where are we now? Is that sufficient? Do you have follow-up questions? Am, am I doing too much? No, yeah, you're, you keep, keep on going. All right. Um, so that's where we are now. There are essentially two different plans that are in the mix, so to speak, uh, for selection, for final selection, um, from which the city will then go and negotiate specific terms for this site, um, you know, like all the details, right? Lease terms, when you pay, what you pay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, right now, and so I think there was a push actually by the club. I, I think so. I didn't. I didn't frankly notice much of a push until after that game over the weekend. And I think that was maybe why, because it was like, hey, first game, first home game back. Like, let's focus on the actual soccer. But there definitely was a push Monday morning and, and throughout the day. I think even starting over the weekend, uh, for loyal fans to obviously weigh in and chip in and fill out this survey and, and vote for this project. Um, what's interesting, I think the the sort of process that people are most familiar with. Uh, here in San Diego is the, the Soccer City SDSU thing from a few years ago, where it was this big vote in the November election and it had to basically be, you know, pick this project or this project. And that's not the situation this time around. Uh, those of us uh, in the public, we had our sort of what they call um, window to, to give feedback and it closed on Monday of this week. So the public sort of 
formal testimony window uh, for us to weigh in is closed now. Uh, it's unfortunate that I think the window is open for so short a period of time, but from what I gather, Loyal Fam definitely stepped up and, and the amount of feedback that the city has received from the two projects, it's like orders of magnitude different as far as just responses and engagement um, in favor of this SD Loyal project, I should say. Mm -hmm. But the decision itself is made by the mayor's like selection committee. And uh, the RFP process itself is a function that's orchestrated through the city's real estate assets department. Um, and then ultimately they make a recommendation between the two. And then from there on out, this the mayor's sort of selection committee. And, and unfortunately, I don't know who's on that committee. I would do my best to buy them a beer if I could, um, but I don't know. And I've not been told, but they're gonna make a decision by the end of the month is what I keep hearing, which is wild. By the end of July, we'll know whether uh, the MSED project will be going forward in some meaningful capacity or whether it's the other one by these other people who we don't care about. <laughs> now, does that mean that that gets put on a ballot for us to vote on? Or they, they just say, this is the one we like, we're going to go for it. Exactly. The city. And so I, I, what I do understand is that the selection committee sort of makes a nomination that then gets approved at, ultimately at some point by city council. Uh, based on the staff report is what they call it. Uh, and then from that phase on, yeah, the, the you know, whether it's, I'm not frankly sure, I think it's real estate assets or whoever, whatever department is in charge of actually negotiating specific lease terms, I'm sure the city attorney will weigh in in some capacity uh, and all of that. They will, um, they will actually craft that final lease agreement. And I think that is meant to be signed off at some point early next year, uh, or at least Q1 of, of, of next year is, is my understanding of that timeline. But at least for the immediate short term, we'll know within the next couple of weeks uh, whether this is something that I really, really get excited about or if this is just, you know, you know a shot that maybe went off target. Nice. And we obviously we don't have super inside info on how they're feeling about one way or the other. But I mean, I guess right, it depends on who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I've seen both plans. Uh, Fortunately, through my role uh, on the community planning group board, we had a presentation from each party, about a 30 minute uh, window for each group to show us, you know, do the Zoom screen share thing, show us, run mm -hmm. us through what you have, what you're thinking about, what you're working with, <clears throat> talk about the vision overall, talk about the other people who are sort of partners in, in the big projects. Uh, and then there was some Q&A to follow. Um, I know how I felt walking away from that. I don't want to sort of, you know, sugarcoated obviously I, I think i knew how i felt going into it to a certain extent but i also wanted to at least look at both plans side by side with like a clear head and um even putting my soccer bias aside i was not impressed with the presentation from the other group right i just wasn't um the dude talked for like 25 minutes straight about things that we don't care about as a community you talked about la talked about all kinds of other places not called san diego and not called the midway district um and then like basically answered the one question as long as he could and then his half hour was over so i felt like a filibuster is what uh one of the text messages i received said but i'll leave it at that fair enough um <laughs> so some obviously there's housing involved and obviously if you've been engaged in san diego you know affordable housing is such a huge demand um what types of properties are each of these groups really looking at building is it like rental properties? Is it like uh, market rate housing? Is it affordable housing? Like what type of properties are we seeing kind of bu being built up in these proposals? 
Yeah, from what I gather, they're both predominantly rental. Uh, some of them are built to be rent at market rate. Some of them are built to be rented out at, you know, uh, sort of designated affordable uh, uh, sort of range, I should say, of, of, of pricing. I know that in the Midway Sports and Entertainment District, they've committed to at least 10% of their affordable housing built, what they call on-site. So there's different rules about what you build and how you build and where you build and all that. But for whatever reason, there's this incentive for builders to essentially uh, build their affordable housing, sort of, you know, your lower whatever cost housing, somewhere else apart from where you build like your nice, big, fancy, you know, deluxe condo or whatever. Uh, and that's a trend that is actually very popular. I'm not a fan of it, frankly, but it exists. Um, but what's interesting about the MSED proposal, they, they've said, hey, we're going to put all of our affordable housing on site within the bounds of the project. Uh, they've got different housing developers, different architects. So there's going to be like a sort of a, a mix and a, a range of different types of buildings. And I, I, I hope that there isn't like a, hey, that's the affordable building over there. And here's like the nice stuff over there. Like, I don't know what the actual integrations will look like, but that would be my preference. Um, those are the two things, like I said, it's, it's mainly all for rent in both proposals. I, I'm not aware, and maybe I haven't looked closely enough, but I'm not aware of properties that are available for purchase um, from, from either of these. Hmm. That would be um, cool. To own something down there, that would be really cool. Right? <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, That'd be nice. There was definitely some Twitter, I don't want to say angriness, but concern about modernization of the Grand Old Arena versus tear down and rebuild. Were there any proposals that included a brand new arena or was it pretty much everyone's just looking to remodel? And um, is there anything that might keep the arena from uh, even being rebuilt or not rebuilt, but modernized? Is there something standing in the way from keeping the arena from being really built up to that fifteen uh, to eighteen thousand uh, capacity? Yeah, I think I think I hear what you're hearing. Um, <laughs> from what I understand, every proposal that came in had some level of refurbishment of the arena. No one proposed to build a brand new arena. And like I said, I don't know if that's you know some kind of cost benefit analysis that's been done in this new normal of um, you know, just the reality that we live in where like money is tight, the economy is what it is, you know, folks are sort of like, I think going to be affected in maybe not permanently, but definitely in a long time, long term sort of manner from, from these last few months in this, this pandemic. So I don't know why none of the proposals had like a not new arena built in, but none of them did from what I gather. And uh, with regards to what's stopping even just the rehabilitation of the existing arena, it's funny that you ask, and it's great timing, and that's a very nice uh, setup. I feel like I'm going to tap this one in, but as a matter of fact, um, yes, there is there is an artificial constraint that we, the people of San Diego, have burdened ourselves with. Um, I consider it a burden specifically here in Midway. I know that other people, uh, so basically what I'm talking about is something called a coastal overlay zone uh, in 1972. Uh, the people, the then people, the citizens of the city of San Diego voted to impose this uh, limit on uh, building heights. You know, like the construction of new buildings cannot be taller than 30 feet anywhere north of this, uh, north of downtown and west of the five freeway. So if you sort of like zoom out or Google map it or close your eyes and kind of think of what that looks like, 
uh, as you go up to five, obviously, once you get past Midway, you see like SeaWorld Drive, you got the bay on your left, you got those nice hills going up on the right hand side in like the Claremont area, you get into La Jolla, it's lovely. Um, they've got coastal views, right? They've got some really nice scenery. The, the aesthetic there is pleasing. Uh, in Midway, though, there there are no coastal views. And literally just sort of by, you know, the letter of the law, I think, as opposed to the spirit of the law, Midway was included in this region where you're not allowed to build anything taller than 30 feet. So uh, fortunately, it's not like really a secret. And there have been efforts, I think, honestly, even before like this current cycle uh, to do something about Midway as a neighborhood specifically and getting Midway to sort of slide out of that rather arbitrary uh, designation. It never worked out for a variety of different reasons that I've sort of read about and been told about. Um, I guess, fortunately, to a certain extent, in the two years I've been involved, this is the first, like, new attempt to, to, like I said, get away from this height limit constraint that we have. And so parallel to all of the RFP stuff happening uh, and the sports arena redevelopment and all of that, but also subsequent to our community plan getting updated in September of 2018, one of the primary focuses of our community planning group has been to get uh, Midway exempted from this coastal overlay zone. And so the way that that process works, and so this is something that we are familiar with from the soccer seed is you can get something on a, on a public ballot basically one of two ways. Uh, you can either do what's called a citizen's initiative, which I think even Chargers fans before, you know, soccer city fans are familiar with. Uh, soccer city and SDC West both did this, uh, where you basically go, you gather 10% of the registered voter signatures from 10% of the registered voters in any given city and then you can get that issue on the ballot. Or you can go with what's called a council-led initiative. And that's the route that um, this effort that I'm now also involved with uh, has taken uh, through our community planning group initially, uh, and then sort of uh, championed really by uh, Jennifer Campbell, who's the city council member uh, who represents this area. And then also in alliance with her, Chris Kate, who uh, represents the District 6 communities, uh, the two of them have basically led what they call the council-led initiative, where they sponsored a bill jointly that would specifically remove just the midway area from this 30-foot uh, height limit. And so that process is much more in line with what we're familiar with with regards to getting your ballots out, being a civically engaged person, and actually filling out a bubble to get a result. That we desperately need uh, to pass in November. And when I say we, I don't just mean loyal fans. I don't just mean uh, people who like sports and soccer. But the city of San Diego, I'd say the, the Midway community in particular, uh, for us to be able to really rebuild and, and just fulfill our basic needs as a community, you know, the state uh, mandates a certain number of housing production per sort of what they, like, there's like a cycle, it's called arena cycle, but like every like so often they say, hey, you should be building X amount of housing. And San Diego as a region is like way too far behind. It's like 140, 170 actually, I should say, like thousand units behind that our county is. I'm getting in the weeds a little bit, but long story short, you know, in November, we have work to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we actually had a question from someone um, on our Twitter. He, these are his words. Why would the old crabby voters in the city ever vote to remove height limits? Um, do you have any insight into like why they would, you know, the NIMBYs and like the people that would not do this or, um, you know, any pre-ballot info on like what people would want to vote because i know i i'm all for it right like innovation yeah. we need to move forward as a city but do you My, guys as a planning group have any insight into that yeah i mean i know so the question was like why would they i mean 
like I just said, the, we're far behind as a region on like our state mandated uh, objectives. And the simple reality is you've seen it to a certain extent in some areas of uh, this country. Like at a certain point, the government is going to get involved, right? And I don't wanna get like too off the rails, but the reality is if you don't start giving way on things like Midway now, where like there isn't anyone being displaced, like, you know, Midway is basically like, if you had to do this, like gun to your head, if you had to pick somewhere to like build more housing, Midway is kind of like the place to do it. It's centrally located. It's, I mean, it hasn't, like if you ever come through Midway, like it sucks. Like we have sidewalks that end abruptly. We have streets that don't connect. We, there's a lot of things that are not like great. Like a lot of things that are not great. We have Bay City, which is fantastic. Yeah. We even have modern times, which I don't mind, right? I live here, my complex is cool. But broadly speaking, this, there you go, thank you. Um, broadly speaking, this neighborhood is first in line, bottom of the barrel, however you really wanna say it when it comes to like opportunities, right? The, the Navy owns this massive federal facility, which is in my community planning area called NAVWAR, where they do all kinds of cyber warfare stuff that they are in the middle of like redeveloping with SANDAG, which is like a transportation body that does regional stuff and MTS, which is also a different transportation body. They're going to like massively blow up um, what they've got there and redevelop uh, a significant public transit infrastructure project. And so like you said, when you start looking at Midway, like as a community, the reason that even the worst of San Diego should vote for this is because like I said, it's the best place for it, first of all, for a variety of different reasons. And at the end of the day, it's like, it's like, if you don't bow, you will be bent, right? And I don't wanna like use that kind of terminology with regards to the government like that often, but I mean, that's going to happen at some point. So you might as well get in front of it, you know, take charge of your own destiny, control things when what you can um, and do it because I think that's just for the old crabby folks. I think the, the majority of people who I certainly associate with uh, see no problem with this, right? And I think also I, I'd like to underscore the fact that this effort to affect Midway has been sort of propagated by the people of Midway, you know, the business owners, the residents, you know, those of us who, who, who spend our time and have a connection here. You know, I totally understand why people would maybe be concerned about traffic, but at the end of the day, like, get over it, right? You know, the one constant in life is change. So just find ways to adapt for human beings, right? That's the reason we're still on this planet is because as a species, we are resilient, we'll be fine. Even if it takes another five minutes to get to the freeway, your life will be okay, is my opinion. <laughs> it takes me seven minutes to get to the freeway and it's really annoying. So. Yeah, that's fine, that's fine. But you do it and you're fine, right? You're, right. You host a killer podcast, I'm crushing it, like it's great. Yeah. Awesome. If it if it means a remodeled arena and a possible modular soccer stadium, I will sit in some traffic. Like right. it, it, it'll you. be yeah. Or I will park mm -hmm. somewhere. I will take public transit yeah. over to Midway District and enjoy mm -hmm. some yeah. three slash modern times slash uh was oh, that Brazilian place? Ooh, Brazil by the Yeah, then mm -hmm. you can hit it out on the way out. Right, yeah, right, right. Actually, I actually, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they built an in and out somewhere like in the stadium and had like an in and out truck. You know, like you ever been to Orange County? They got like the food truck thing going on over there. Like, yeah. why not? I've actually had in and out at like an in and out truck at an Orange County game before. So if they can do it, we'll do it better. Yeah. We're talking um, food. Matter and I are my favorite spot. Right, right, right. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Um, I think those are all. Well, we had some questions in the comments, but I think those were addressed. Um, okay. So if they need more well, info, I don't know. Hold on. Let me see. Uh, what about the pamphlet one, Alan? I don't the know. Which one? 
pl- oh, uh, the pamphlet about 10% versus 15% affordable yeah. housing minimum. Yeah. I'm not I'm sure. Not sure. I'm familiar with what pamphlet you're referring to? I uh, don't either. Um, um, I heard that the coast uh, is an exception. Lizzo, um, Plan, Plan Z mentioned it. Said, okay. why no. does the pamphlet boast a 10% affordable housing projection when the California community redel- redevelopment requires 15% minimum? Does that apply? Is there an exemption? Do you know about that? I do not know definitively. Um, just from a personal standpoint, I also think 10% is too low. I'm a big fan of like 18 at a minimum, 20 where possible, right? Do more. You know, I wouldn't mind a 100% affordable housing uh, development uh, all up and down midway. But uh, I don't know exactly what pamphlet or what stats or what is allowed here. It might be like a zoning thing. I'd have to look. But I'm happy to do the research and I'll get back to you. Now, I know the city council just, I know Scuba Steve's asking about this too, is the coastal zoning exemption for that specific area was just put on the ballot by city council. I know that these are two different issues. Yeah. There's yeah. The, there's the. connected. But how would, do you have any idea how that's polling? What, what that feels like? I think per, me personally, I think that area definitely should be exempted. It's like the, uh, sports arena is already like 70, 75 feet, I believe. So it's even going to a four is what I've been told. Yeah. Even going to a hundred, not really going to be a huge difference. I think it, that can be transformative for that area and for the city of San Diego. Cause it's not just, it's just doesn't just benefit that area. It benefits everyone who goes to that area to partake in all of those things. Um, yeah. Are you hearing any positivity around r- removing and getting rid of that coastal that limit? Yeah. 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 I've heard a lot of it. Like I said, so, so our planning group unanimously, you know, endorsed this, this position. Obviously I've been talking to a lot of the folks inside city hall and, you know, all the the various different entities, whether they're, you know, alliances of builders or people who are like in my EMB circles who are about housing, like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people are very excited about this opportunity and feel as though now's the time. Uh, I have obviously heard, I think this is the way the algorithms work on Twitter and Facebook and then Nextdoor in particular. Um, There definitely are people who are not fans of it, but I think one thing that gives me hope and faith and confidence um, was a few different things. One, like I said, this is a community-led effort. Like our community planning group decided that we wanted to do this. There's actually talk at a certain point that the city wanted to base this ballot measure around just the parcel that own that that sports arena sits on, and it would have been a height limit exemption just for that project. And actually, we the community said thank you, but no thank you. And if you do that, um, we're probably going to riot. So don't do that. Do it for the entire community. Um, so I feel confident in that. For someone who is maybe on the outside looking in, uh, I might not know very much about American football, right? But if I ask a friend of mine who knows about American football, if so and so is a good player to pick up for like whatever fantasy or whatever. I would do it, right? Because they said so. And I know that they know, right? So my hope to a certain extent is it's us who live here. It's us who work here. It's us who own here uh, saying, this is what we want to do for ourselves. We just kind of need the help of everyone else. So like, please help us help ourselves. That's one big part of it. And then on the flip side, and I don't know if this is like, you know, opportunity or just pressure, but um, I myself and another lady who is, um, a property owner in the area have been essentially 
put in charge of the campaign. We are functioning as what they call principal officers. So I know Jen Campbell and Chris Kate basically like um, led the process through City Hall and and got it to this phase where it's now on the on the ballot. We thank them for that. But they can't campaign, right? They can't go door to door. They're not going to be actually involved in the day to day between now and November. They need other folks. And and from like a campaign standpoint, when you actually look at just like election law, every campaign committee needs principal officers. And so somehow myself and this lady named Kathy, who's really cool, uh, became principal officers for this campaign. Earlier today, I actually spoke at a press conference with her and Jen Campbell and Chris Kay. And so like, I feel good about at least being uh, as a campaign, willing to listen to folks. I know how I operate, right? I listen more than I talk, which is saying something because I've been talking a lot tonight. But um, <laughs> I'm very well aware of like what goes on. I very much pay attention to how people feel and why. You know, for me, it's always a question of why. Uh, the simple reality is like it's going to boil down to how our campaign does, right? And like I said, for better for worse, like I'm essentially you know co-captaining this thing. So wish me luck. Help me if, if I need it, which I probably will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel good about it. Frankly, I do feel good about it. I haven't seen polling yet. We need to raise money. So I'm going to be doing that for the next few weeks so I can afford a poll. But yeah, I'll keep I'll keep you guys looped into how we're doing. And we will definitely be able to amplify that for sure. Um, I, I think it speaks to the just the height limit in general, I think speaks to the need of we need to stop thinking about 1970s San Diego and what the, the people who put this in place is things are different now than they were 40 years ago. Um, and I think this speaks to the unionism in me that if when this when the language comes out, like if all of us talk to five of our friends who live in her who vote in the area and encourage them to talk to five of their friends, this starts to spread. And so yep. we do have a role to play in, and I know the um, the Barrio Logan area um, had some issues with this in the past with when it went to the city, mm-hmm. things got voted down for what they needed for their community. And I would be very upset if that happened yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, so the unionists in me says, let's talk to our friends, let's get this mm-hmm. done this isn't necessarily soccer, but this is what I think is what's best for San Diego and San Diegans yep. and, um, you know, have those conversations. It Life is political. If we're so afraid to talk about politics and ballot measures and all of those things, like it's okay to disagree, but we need to go out and talk to each other about it. And yeah. the, the sports community has a role to play in this because it is interconnected and interwoven in ways that other communities aren't. So if you if they want more information from you regarding this initiative and or the uh, midway planning shenanigans, if you will, where can we find more information about that? Um, I think that in the immediate short term, probably my own Twitter account because we don't have like campaign handles set up yet. Look at that, Marissa. That's she can stay. This girl's qualified. Yeah. All kinds of qualified. <laughs> Thank you. I need a publicist, actually. Yes. Um, Call in me. The immediate, yeah, in the immediate short term, Twitter is where I do most of my dirty work personally. Uh, I'm pretty engaged. I, I like to respond to people as long as you're a real person. Uh, I do have like one Twitter rule. It's like if you're not like a person with a name and a face, I, I might not respond to you. But for all you real folks asking real questions, happy to, to respond there. And then over the next few weeks and months, yeah, for sure, we'll get all the socials up and, and do that kind of stuff. 
Um, and uh, yeah, you're gonna hear a lot from me for the next few months on this subject. So thank you for letting me like tee it all up and then I'll just check in like once a week and give like a two minute update or something. That would be our pleasure. Super <laughs> cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. My hairline, my hairline. When most of you met me, was like down here. Afmir, Afmir, ask if does he, do you respond to city fans? I do, I do. I like Afmir a lot. He's got a beautiful family. He's a wonderful person. Yeah. yeah. Good, good dude. Not, not super convinced. He uh, makes the best decisions on which teams to support, but he's loyal. He supports the loyal, so I think we're we're all on board for that. <laughs> I, I will respond to Afmir and his family any day of the week. Awesome. So again, DK, you're more than welcome to hang out. We're about to transition to talk about the um, dump that happened on the pitch on Saturday or last Saturday. Ooh. So you're more than welcome Ooh. to hang out. If you got somewhere else to be, uh, you can bounce. Um, like I said, it's been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I know this is super important to talk about it's a huge huge undertaking in san diego um and can kind of reimagine a huge part of san diego that i know me as a sports fan i love that area i've been over there a lot lately um with soccers with goals um i know there's a huge seals fan population as well yeah dive in right you basically have like almost everything that happens on the cap faith podcast happens over there uh right. these days um, so I, it's a hugely important area of San Diego and I really appreciate you taking the time to walk us through, walk us through that. Um, so let's transition That's to that. Nice. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll hang for a little bit, but, but don't, don't hang me if I just, you know, evaporate at one point. <laughs> Brew has something to say. He's upset. <laughs> so, Brew wants to see Robert and Chloe. That's what he wants. Ooh, I should actually, yeah. Hold that thought. Keep me online, but I'll, okay. I'll go see if I can find Robert. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So let's. Uh, we had a match or something. I don't. It really wasn't a match. I don't think San Diego showed up for it. Um, what are you talking about, man? That was actually a good match played. Oh both my sides. god! I'm gonna. Um, I, I think if you watch the second half, I would agree. Um, I think if you start after halftime, I think it's a a pretty good match back and forth. Who that first half, man. Real rough. The reason why I'm going to say it's a good match, Alan, is because if you remember at the beginning of the pre- the preseason while we were doing the uh, the primer episodes, yep. we just kind of crapped on LA Galaxy, called them a two team, and stated how they pretty much like you know don't have too much going for them because all the great players are on the first team, and and I mean the last part is true, like. They just sent four players up to the first team for the MLS's back tournament. But to see LA Galaxy come out and actually play um, a match, I mean, they played loyal well. Like, honestly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, considering what their match looked like last week against Phoenix, I'd say they actually came out. They actually looked like a quality side. And, um, you know, and so in that regard, that's why I think it was a good match. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where you, you – you think that you're going to do better than you are. And um, you got to tip your hat to low stos. I mean, they played, they, they showed up, they were not intimidated. Uh, mm-hmm. And they like, especially that first half, man, like there were, there was so, so little positive that we can talk about what happened for the loyal, um, except for 
there's like a ping pong machine passing the ball. We got beat. Yeah, we just got beat. We got beat by a better team. Hey, but come on, the first team. half. There's there is plenty of stuff in the first half actually. Um, talking about. I guess. I mean, maybe. I mean, I'm gonna toss some stuff out then because I mean, yeah, I'm, do it. I'm do seeing it. your guys' feedback over here, and I'm like, Go yo, like I watched it like two times. Like, okay, so here here are some of my points for the first half. All right, so buckle up. This is what I got. All right. A two a henny, right? Two two. This guy, man, awesome. Great speed, good footwork. He created opportunities. Um, no fault to himself. He's so fast. I mean, you see the offside calls that he got, obviously. Um, but still he kept at it, you know, and just through his continued efforts, I mean, he created opportunities. Like we saw that shot on frame. You know, obviously we wanted a little bit to the right. You know, we didn't get that. It was, like, right on post. But still, I mean, you you wanted to see that go in. And in addition to that, I mean, Tumi Moshibane, you know, obviously those two just just having a day, you know. And that's that's a lot to be said because if you consider, like, where Atuahane is from, he's from, from the same place that, like, Solomon Asante is from. So, you know, the fact of the matter is that, you know, right now maybe the way – uh, Los Dos and Phoenix are playing. Maybe that looks kind of crazy, uh, but uh, or I'm sorry. Uh, well, yeah, that. But then also the way that um, that Loyal is playing compared to like what we know of Phoenix, it kind of gives you kind of a sh- like kind of a projection of what that matchup could look like, you know. And that's something that you want to anticipate, especially with two teams sitting at the top of the table as such. Um, Next, I'll move into Greenspan. Greenspan. Um, guy's towering, right? Towering giant. You know, he's good for set pieces. And Loyal got opportunities. Um, you know, the thing with Greenspan, as they commented on, on the broadcast a little bit, was that, you know, he just has to basically watch his positioning. I mean, other than that, he's like a lurching player. He's a guy you want on your squad. You know what I mean? And, and if he wasn't caught, called offside in some instance, then we would obviously have a goal very early on in the match, right? So, I mean, this is kind of – it would look like a different outcome altogether. Those those efforts would then be paying dividends. And then the last thing I, I wanted to add to that as far as the first half uh, is Kempen. I mean, Kempen, dude, had a, had a day back there in the net. I mean, the guy obviously worked a little bit more than he probably should have or as people say, oh, he shouldn't have to do much, and, that, and that's cool, but – when he when he had to do stuff, obviously he was doing something. I mean, he was, you know, up on the air. He was on the ground. Everything was was fine with that. You know what I mean? You want a goalkeeper that's going to put forth effort because a team like Phoenix is going to take shots. You know what I'm saying? Like regardless, they're going to take shots. So to me, I like the first half, and those were the three players that I would probably pull out. You know that I thought really stuck out in my mind. You know, I didn't think it was an unwatchable half. I mean, I think there was moments of like, this is going to be really cool when we figure this thing out. But like, LA had 12 shots in that first half, four on target. Um, I know Kemban made seven saves for the entirety of the match, and he definitely kept us in it. Um, I think, again, I think if Atuahene puts that in instead of puts it off the post, I think we're feeling differently about the game. But I think that would have been a little bit of a a facade over some of the issues that we talked about before, where for some reason San Diego is just not clicking offensively. They're a defensive team. 
that survives because they have a lot of really smart defensive and midfielders. Uh, if you look at the subs, you know, once you pull uh, Francis off, you basically have Toomey by himself and then a bunch of midfielders and defenders. Um, if Kempen doesn't come up with some amazing saves, like what Glenn says, you're looking at, you know, a two, three, four goal barrage. And I think we feel differently about the game as well. Um, I think there are positives to take from the match. Um, I'm not going to want to dwell on this match a whole lot because I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to. It was a disappointing um, product on the field um, compared to what they've done before. But we've talked about before, like the last couple of weeks about the lack of offense on this on this team. They've what let in three goals in four matches, which is great. Um, we can argue whether or not one or two of those Real Monarch goals were goals or not. Now, now but, you're talking. You're a little upset that the calls didn't go our way this time, right? But no, no. I mean, I'm just saying, like, okay, well, if both of those go in, we're still talking about a team in four matches that has given up five goals, and in the Western Conference, that's amazing in the USL. Like, if you watch Western Conference teams, typically it's more open. They're more scoring. They're more offensive. Look at Phoenix. Look at Orange County. They're scoring two, three goals a match unless they play each other. Um, but I think when you look at this match, you're disappointed because you think that they could play better, and I think that they can play better. Uh, I think that they have played better. Uh, but, you know, outside of, you know, the back line, I thought played pretty well. Um, I'm a huge Joe uh, Grant Stoneman fan. I know people aren't super high on him, uh, but I think he had like 90% pass completion and he had quite a few passes um, in that match. I thought he played really well, particularly in moving him toward the set in the middle where Greenspan's now on the right, mm -hmm. uh, where in the first game he wasn't. Um, let me look up the, the stats on Grant Stoneman, but his, his passing completion rate um, was, was pretty darn good. Um, but outside of that, Charlie Adams maybe has a good game. Oh man, Carlin, he got turned. He got turned up quick. He 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 does. But how you much of that? Guy, right. So I'm get pissed. Yeah, yeah. He. I think he got well, stepped on and or spit on. No, he um, got spit on. He got spit on. Hmm. So we. <laughs> that's a that's a salt, brother. That's a salt. Um, bro. <laughs> um, but I think Colin Martin isn't an offensive player. I think he's a defensive player. And I would agree with some of the takes that Beverly Mackingila is maybe that next starter. Eric Avila had a rough match. Um, and when you don't have Irvin Para, who is out injured, if you don't have Kudlis Lawal, you have Francis, who I think maybe plays better off of a target man, where you have that guy holding, holding up the ball. And then he's able to use that speed to break in. Um, onto goal and when he does that he's usually pretty successful but he's he needs either turnovers or he needs to play off of somebody to give him that space to play in and i just don't think that really i don't think that really happened um marissa you were there in person what was kind of your what did it feel like because i mean we're obviously watching on espn plus and we get like kind of the story what did it feel like in person um, it felt like a practice match. Um, there was 
<sighs> I don't know. I just hearing all the players like just I saw I heard a lot of frustration just and like losing the ball. Um Jack Metcalf I felt was like open a lot on the right in the first half and um I don't know if it was just like what they were doing in the midfield like what was the plan the game plan if they were like holding back waiting for Los Dos to make a make a um mistake but I just felt like they never like tried to like attack at all and he was just like chilling on the outside um on the right um but yeah, it just felt really weird. Like, I don't know if it was because there weren't fans there or if it was it's still the second game back from restart. Um, and Los Dos was just so much, in my opinion, so much more faster and like quicker with their passes and more accurate. So it just, it just was really frustrating to watch. And, um, you know, I trying to be professional there as well as like trying not to like be super fan and like get frustrated with them like um you know it's just it's hard like I, i'm still learning the players their styles and stuff like that so trying to just be there watching but then coming off of watching like so many good matches like uh in the premier league in the last couple of weeks it's kind of like hard to watch that when they when you see like so many different things and I'm not I'm new to the US, USL compared to you guys so like I'm trying to compare it it feels like I'm back in like DK you would know this like battalion days you know like yeah, um, yeah we're just like wait what is this who am I yeah. okay yeah <laughs> yeah let's do, yeah. let's do that let's do the we're <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it was it was cool to be there, uh, seeing a few people, you know, in our in our circle, two balls and a mic, or one ball and a mic. Italian. Sorry, not yes. This is definitely oh. been like I have a few of these. I've I some of the yeah. inventory has just been stored in my garage ever mm -hmm. since. What's yeah. that? What is that? That's a throwback, it's son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trying to, trying yeah. To about some trying to know about something like that. Yeah, that's, that's Marissa. That was like Marissa's first like soccer yeah. job in San Diego. Yes, uh, when I was battalion, uh, part of the battalion. Um, but yeah, Doom and Gloom is like the supporter group, and uh, nice. when the mask thing came about, like this year, I was like, oh, I got my mask. Yeah, yeah Doom and yeah. Gloom. Like, yeah. yeah, straight away, straight away, <laughs> and, and it fit, and it still kind of fit. Right? Right? Actually, rock, I rocked up wearing that to this press conference today, and I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't wear this right now. Um, <laughs> uh, I, had, I had this one, but... John Cross, John Cross is also involved with Battalion. He did the live streams for that game, so he's uh, soccer shorts if you haven't checked out what he did, and he also did that Locals um, vignette, uh, like little pregame hype video, but... It, Anyways, you know, like seeing all the people, uh, you know, in our soccer community, that was really nice. It was definitely muted compared to March 7th. Um, you know, there was only, I think, like 10 people that I saw that was like, oh, hi. Like, like <laughs> fist bump, you know, no hugs. Like, it was just weird. This is a weird time, you know. And um, I guess we'll see how it's different on um, they did have really good uh, pre-match music, though, because I was in charge <laughs> of that with Battalion, and that's, like, a really hard job because you have to, like, make sure people are hyped for the match, right? And this music was, like, we're by the pool, we have a drink with an umbrella in it, and, like, 
we're totally like just chilling by the pool watching people warm up for soccer. So I was vibing on it and um, it's definitely available on Twitter's uh, the playlist on Spotify if you want to check it out. So, um, but yeah, that's my experience. Um, I don't think there's anything else. So it's just weird. It's very weird, you know, it's like watching the match with like, no, well, and then they're not winning. Right. So it's even worse. Like you don't even see all your friends and it sucks. Shout out to the locals that, you know, their TIFO was there, but I wish they were all there. Every single one of them. So. I mean, I'll give the team credit too. that. Like, like came out pretty, pretty vocal after the match and said that they weren't super pleased with the play on the field. Um, usually sometimes teams can go a little bit Twitter quiet, but they really kind of owned like, Hey, that was not really acceptable uh, for where we want to be. Um, and I think with a shortened season, the, all of these points against teams that aren't orange County and Phoenix uh, are going to be really important points. And to drop three at home versus Los dos really puts us uh, in a position from strength before the match into now we gotta we have way less room for error moving forward against teams like Las Vegas, teams like LA. We have to get points off of Orange County or Phoenix. Otherwise, you know, we're gonna be on the outside looking in when it comes time to playoffs. Now, to be fair, I think this team was built to be a playoff team in the Western Conference. Um, I think that they are still one of the top eight, ten teams in the West. It's just unfortunate that you have to be in a group with Phoenix and Orange County and a competitive Los Dos, apparently, um, and a unpredictable Vegas, I guess, is the way I want to describe them. Um, Isn't Vegas always unpredictable? They are. Like, in general? The house house always wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now they have a new new coach who came from (laughs) Fresno. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can impart any of what made Fresno great. They were a really good Western Conference team. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to Andrew and Warren with their BLA chance. Um, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and yeah. Um, vocal disagreements with referees from ownership is something that I have become well-versed in. Uh, sitting in the press box in Orange County, the owner's box is right outside the window. And they are very, very vocal about their displeasure with referees uh, so that's nothing new um it's great to have passion and ownership um it's great to see that the team took ownership as well of our disappointing uh play um dk you said you caught part of the game any um as someone who's probably spent a little bit more time actually on the pitch playing um is there anything that that stood out to you from the parts of the match that you saw um either good or bad is anything like really stood out to you yeah, so I, I for context, I watched basically the second half of the first half and then like the last half hour of the second half. I had a halftime thing and too many other things. But one big thing that stood out to me, obviously, was not just uh, the play on the field, but like the style on the field, uh, style of play, yes. But then also these new kits that we're rocking. I support that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, with regards to style of play, I mean, obviously, John Kempin, goalkeeper, kept us in it. And I didn't watch all of it, but I saw enough to know that he's man of the match. And I listened to the unnamed, and we agreed it's man of the match uh, performance from that gentleman. Uh, one big thing that I felt was uh, just 
it's it's recurring at this point. I've seen the play at home in the one home game that we that we were all physically present for, and then in this game, we create not that many chances, but we also don't finish enough chances for as many as we create. Uh, and that's a problem that I'd like to see addressed at some point. I, I recognize we played four games, brand new, very infantile type of like sort of setup. But for the amount of chances we do create, which is not that much to begin with, I'd like to see more, but we still should be putting away more of them. I saw that, I don't even remember who it was who hit the, like the front post when it was still nil nil. You know, we opportunities change games, goals change games. And that's something that I, I recognize that when you're building a squad from scratch, you probably want to build with like a base and then go for it, right? Uh, but at some point I'd like to see us just go for it and like score some goals. Yeah, I think we all want goals. <laughs> <laughs> goals and games. But I, I, I mean, that's why I, I go back to, I think this team was built to have a good defensive mindset and then have some attacking players to be able to be competitive over the course of a 34-game like USL season um, and play teams that you can probably beat and teams that you can probably draw and, and make your way into a 8 through 10 spot and be able to say you made the playoffs. Um, but in this new reality of USL, uh, you're going to have to score goals. Like, you're not going to beat Phoenix 1-0. It's just not going to happen. You're probably not going to beat Orange County 1-0. It's probably not going to happen. Mm. Um, <laughs> I mean, you might, but I if you look at, like, Phoenix, Phoenix is going to get a goal. Mm. Like, Phoenix is probably going to score a goal every game. Like, I have you're goals. not going to... I mean, you're not going to get a clean sheet against against Phoenix. And if you do, congratulations. And I will be the first to talk all of the smack to the Phoenix supporters. I will be on cloud nine. But in, I, we want to be real. Like, we want to call it like we see it. The fact like you're going to give up a goal against Phoenix. Uh, and so you have to score goals in the Western Conference to be successful. This isn't the East where things are more defensive-oriented, where well, 1-0 matches are uh, more than norm than not. Western Conference tends to have more offensive firepower. So it was smart to build a team to keep goals off the board, and we've seen that. So I'm really excited that we are defensively pretty solid, but I do agree with DK. It's like at some point we got to bury those goals. We've got to bury those chances because if any one of those chances that we have and we've created and we created them go in, we're talking about a 1-1 draw, and then it's like, ah, we didn't play the way we wanted to. We still got a point. Like we're fine. It's fine. Well, let's, Chris, what let's, do you feel? Let's introduce the question. Uh, Glenn Maddock actually had the question. He said, um, "Do you stick with the same lineup or do you experiment each week?" And you know, what my thought is: What do you got? What do you think about um, a Tuani coming off the bench at like fifty-five or or sixty minutes and kind of starting now? I mean, now you got Ben Spencer, so you know you got a little something else in there. You could, I mean, while you don't have Para, like what if a Tuani? who's got that burst comes off of the bench at 60. Um, I don't disagree with that, but um, if we don't have a para, if we don't have a wall, I would love to see a Ben Spencer and a, a Tua Henny at the top. I would love to see Toomey drop back into the midfield and be more of a playmaker, a, uh, a more attacking midfielder. Um, and I think he has the ability to do that kind of like a, you know, not necessarily a number 10, but definitely someone who might be like a shadow nine, if you will. Um, a guy who's a little bit more, who 
plays further back, but it's got kind of got that third guy mm-hmm. into the box. Um, I'd like to see Beverly get a start in kind of that six role, that holding midfield um, with maybe that, with that Charlie Adams. And I'd like to see Yair, uh, Yair get another chance to, to start as well. Uh, start three up top is not a bad idea. Um, I just think there's so much midfield and back in depth that it's really hard to put three at the top because then we pull some of those midfielders in out of their area strength. Mm-hmm. I I am falling more and more in love with the three five two setup in soccer in general. Um, I think it's an, an interesting idea or a three four three even might not be a bad idea where you have um I mean, we can get like super into the weeds, three, four, one, two shenanigans or whatever. <laughs> but um, I think maybe starting Ben Spencer up top and allowing Francis to run off of him. Uh, Toomey looked really good in the preseason in the midfield. Um, I think Colin Martin um, has. I uh, I love Colin Martin as a, as a dude. Oh, I, think I think he's better for the back. I think asking him to play a more attacking midfielder role maybe isn't his his strength. Um, yeah. I have a hard time talking against him because I absolutely love, love him. As a love human. you, love you, Colin. But sorry, not sorry. Damn. Um, <laughs> Team two but, is what I heard right there. But let's no, give Spencer. Let's say give that. Ben, ben Spencer a chance up top, and maybe start to me, and then sub in Francis as a. Um, I mean, kind of a guy a, that runs off of him. I don't know. It's not a bad idea, but look at—I mean, look at this match versus the Real Monarch match. I mean, Real Monarch played back, right? They didn't have mm-hmm. so much high press. They kind of started in the midfield, so obviously they were playing for the long ball that they know San Diego likes to play. But then in LA, LA gave up the long ball, right? Because they were trying to obviously frustrate up front and trying to you know create error to turn it over quickly because they got speed to transition. So I mean. That's like two different matches that you can kind of go back and watch if you like to nerd out like me. And like, <laughs> I mean, even Alan probably too, but just go back and watch two different teams, you know, that in their respects are kind of both like affiliate type two teams, if you will. And, you know, and they're, I'd say this year about level talent. So you can kind of see how they're playing them. You know what I'm saying? Vegas is going to be like, quote unquote, a crapshoot, right? So, I mean, we're not really too sure. <laughs> Which way they're going with it? So, you <laughs> did there. Nice. You saw it. You saw it. Wow. Um, <laughs> and then, how much of it is like the team trying to find their team identity and doing it in a season that shortened? Like, if this is a thirty-four game season, you have ten games to figure out a team identity. Um, I think it's going to be tough. Um, <laughs> Where were the four goals in Vegas match? Who? <laughs> um, so let's talk about that Vegas match. Um, how do we think it's going to go? Um, oh, shoot. Two balls is drinking good juice in there. <laughs> natural pineapple, orange, and mango juice. Yeah, we're going to talk juices on your show. I That's think, a lot of fruit. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep with my tradition of 2 1, but I think I'm going to go with lights in this one. Ooh, gonna Ooh. give the win to the lights. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. I mean, it's cool. What do you got, Chris? Alan's a, only Alan's a homer, so it's you only have to worry about 
the person who's going to convince you of every goal that's that's not a goal for now. I can't believe you, Alan. I can't believe you, man. I will do that every day of the week. This what guy, do you got, Chris? What do you think uh, the well, SD Vegas? Well, well, well. Um, I mean, really, like if you're seeing if they're still going to play the way they played against Los Dos, um, man. You know, they got to get. Are they? Are they away? No, I, home. They're home. home. Not that it which, matters. There's no one there. Which, it's right, which I think it, they play worse at home than they do on the road. But well, yeah. you know, there's a difference between going to get lucha lucha tacos and like <laughs> whatever you do in Vegas. So I'm gonna say, um, damn, I'm gonna say one one. I'm gonna say it's a draw. You agree with Afmir? Afmir, yeah. Glenn's got a draw, 2-2. DK, you have have an opinion on this match? Prediction for this one, I mean, my predictions are never accurate, but I'm going to go ahead and say, like, 4-1 loyal. I think there's, like, there's been, like, a a bottleneck that we just got to burst through, right? And, like, we're better to do that in Vegas. You know, we don't like those guys. Apparently, Brew agrees with you. He's like, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a, I'm going to go with a one nil. I think, uh, the way the team has been playing pretty solid defensively, um, offensively a little bit anemic. Uh, I think they get a one nil victory. I just can't, I mean, I can see a draw, but, um, I'm hoping for a three points here. Uh, we're going to put this out on our Twitter polls, uh, which will close on Saturday. We've been doing our Twitter poll every week um, in Group B, and our matchups is we're against Vegas. Uh, LA travels to Sacramento, um, and OC and Phoenix have a rematch. Oh, that um, I watch too. So LA Sacramento, Marissa, do you have a, a a feeling about LA Sacramento? Who do you think is gonna Sacramento? Because uh, I don't root for LA teams. So, yeah. town. Ooh. Chris, what do you got? <laughs> I got Los Dos on the upset. LA upset. I'm yep. going to go. I, I think Sacramento has something to prove right now. I think they, they pull out a victory finally. DK, do you have any feeling about LA Sacramento? Pull out a victory. They won. Uh, no. Frankly, no. I haven't watched enough. I don't care about fair. No one named anything other than San Diego Lawyer. Fair, fair, when I fair. see you on the field, like 4 1 is my prediction every time. <laughs> uh, again, the biggest match in Group B. Afmir says three two LA. Uh, I think LA can give Sacramento trouble, but I just think Sacramento needs to put their flag down and say, "Nah, we're winning this group." Reno, you can go piss off. Um, Orange County Phoenix play again Saturday, which is again every time they play, I'm there for that. I will watch it every single time, and twice on Sundays. Um, Marissa, you've already told me that you think Phoenix is going to win. Do you stand yeah. by that? You stand yes. by Phoenix? Mm-hmm. Chris, what's your pick? Orange County upset because I love going on Twitter right after. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I will tell you for the USL show, they asked me, and I think that Orange County can pull this out. I think they, they learned enough against Phoenix last time. I thought they went toe-to-toe, and I think for some reason Orange County will uh, get that uh, second goal. Those Ranger kids look great. Uh, Aiden Quinn, San Diego's own Aiden Quinn, um, is a phenomenal player. Um, 
I didn't even know. I didn't know Coach Braden Cloutier from uh, from Orange County also played for the San Diego Soccerers along with Aiden Quinton's dad. A little history knowledge there. So I'm picking Orange County. And since DK said he doesn't care about either, I'm still going to ask him. Orange <laughs> County Phoenix, who you got? <laughs> oh, he's muted. You're muted. He's muted. I'm sorry. Sorry. There we go. Sorry. I'm listening. <laughs> but um, I actually rate Orange County as like my second favorite team. I know it's maybe like controversial, but I'm going to no, go ahead and say through okay. Phoenix. I have a few friends in Phoenix, and you're all are lovely people. But um, Orange County, I'll say 3 1. Interesting. Wow. I'm, I'm not going to. Glass half full, man. It's probably not going to happen, but you got you to put the energy out there if you want anything. <laughs> I think, regardless of the score, I think it is going to be a fun match to watch. Um, if Phoenix wins, you know there's going to be amazing goals. If Orange County wins, you know they're going to put in some amazing goals. If it's a draw, there's it's going to be hard fought. Like, I think that's one of the budding rivalries of the Western Conference, even though Phoenix won't admit it that they're rivals with Orange County and their two fans. Um, those uh, two fans are some of the more passionate fans in the USL, and I appreciate Dylan that. Ray. Dylan Ray. Andy is great as well. Um, <laughs> so we'll put out that pit Twitter poll. We'll ask you who you think will uh, win each of those games. Don't forget to drop your score predictions for the San Diego Loyal match against Las Vegas this Saturday. I believe that's at seven. There was some word at five, and then it went back to seven. I think it's at seven. Seven. Um, seven o'clock. Uh, mm-hmm. Tune in. Check out a watch. Uh, a watch along. I watch with two balls or one ball live, one ball in the studio. They were, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were separate. They were the balls were separated. Um, find a watch along party. Host one of your own. Um, <laughs> It should wow. be a, a fun evening of uh, of soccer. Uh, so Thank drop you, it in. <laughs> yeah, 7 p.m. on CW. Uh, please check it out. Uh, watch along. Uh, we'll drop those in our Twitter feed. Vote. If you drop a score for your San Diego, we'll enter you into a drawing after week seven. Uh, we'll, we're still in some talks on developing what that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so drop those uh score predictions in and we'll enter you in, into a raffle for everyone. If you're right, we'll offer you a second drawing. Uh, so far, the fan polls are not doing well. They are one in three and the hosts are two and two. It's our Lance Armstrong setup. <laughs> oh, that's another topic. <laughs> wow. Wow. If we weren't already an hour and 15 minutes in, uh, we would get into it. Yeah, but unfor- unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately mm, we are out of time. No, uh, no more talking about balls. But uh, remind everyone, DK, how can we uh, we get connect with you on Twitter? Right? <clears throat> yeah, Twitter is, like I said, probably my, my most public platform. Uh, and you can find me at DK Newell, as, as you can see on the screen here. Thank you, Marissa, for doing the right thing. Uh, you got the, the capitalizations, right? You know, some people are all like lowercase or all uppercase, and I'm just old school. So thank you, Marissa. At and Chris, where can we find you on the Twitters? Mm, you can find me at by Chris Walker. With the capitals, even, right? Ooh. Yeah, but you missed one capital, but it's cool. And Alan? You can find me at A Underwood48 on the Twitter machines. I'm like E.E. E. Cummings. I don't use capitalization in my Twitter handle. That's a deep cut for you poetry fans. Marissa, where can we find you? 
You can find me at hashtag Marissa on all the Twitters and uh, anywhere you can find me. Just Google it. You'll find me. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one hashtag Marissa. Yes. As Landon Donovan has said, I have proof. So, yes. Uh, Final words. Uh, thank you for stopping by. Sorry, it's a little bit longer, but we had a lot of really important stuff to talk about tonight that didn't involve necessarily soccer, and I didn't really want to talk about that LA match that much anyway. Uh, I can convince you otherwise. <laughs> Chris can convince us otherwise. Thank you. Um, have a great night. Uh, we will see you on the Twitterverse and uh, next week when we talk about a Las Ve- uh, win against Las Vegas. Yes. Good night. Bye-bye. Later, guys. This and every episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find other podcasts on bgn.fm. The Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday League squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.